Hello, and welcome to Not Just Another Sad Podcast. This is Price Carter. Joining me today in grieving is Christian Amesworth. And we are brought to you by Arrowhead Live. And we are here to talk about NFL football, more specifically the Chiefs, and what was a very sad time to be a Chiefs fan. But we're here to talk about it. We're here to assign blame. We're here to reflect. And more than anything, we're here to just air the grievances. So um, what do you want to start with, Christian? What, what really, where to begin? The Chiefs lost the AFC Championship game in a game that they led 21 to 3, or 21, yeah, 21 to 3 at one time. And had a chance to go up 24-10, or maybe even 28-10 at halftime, and then possessed the ball afterwards, and they lost that game at home. Well, I, I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Let's let's start with our mentalities, like going into this game and then, and then coming out of it, and then we can start talking some particulars. But for me, before the Bills game, the, the week before the Bills game, there was a higher level of anxiety than normal. Like... Dude, I know this game is going to be tough. They explicitly said we designed our team to beat Chiefs. And honestly, I think they were a top two or three team in the league coming into the playoffs. Now, obviously, there there were some, like, the defense wasn't as good as, as we thought they were. and But we came out of that game victorious. And so transitioning from that to the Bengals game, I was not worried about this game at all. In fact, I, I remember telling a few of my closest friends, this is going to be a blowout. I, I don't know. Just bet the over. Uh, the, the Chiefs defense has a reason to come out and play well. And Mahomes is Mahomes. And so, so this game, to me, going in, I didn't think much of it. I thought this is just another stepping stone on our way to, you know, the Chiefs dynasty. And I was right halfway through the game. And seeing Mahomes devolve into what he devolved into and seeing the offense stagnate and, and seeing some of the emotion on the sideline, I got worried. But right at the end of the half, that, that last play at the end of the half where we didn't get any points, I remember saying, okay, there's the momentum shift. So let, let's see what happens. Anyway, go throughout the game. Long story short, we lose. Um and I actually think that I took the loss the best out of out of everybody that I know because to me, if if a game is won or lost by Mahomes, if if Mahomes isn't good for one half of football and we lose, that to me is is the best thing that could have happened in a loss. Like it, it wasn't the defense got you know trashed on it. It wasn't that uh, the wide receivers were dropping passes. It's not like one of our running backs fumbled the ball three times or, you know, it's like if we're going to put Mahomes on this pedestal and, and I do think he should be there, then he's allowed to have a bad half of football and we can just move on. Like, are you kind of in the same boat as me or what's your thinking coming out of this game? Well, we can start with the fact that Mahomes was not good in the second half. I don't think we're reinventing the wheel. We don't really need to talk about, how bad he was. He was truly awful. Probably the worst half of football that he might have put together as the Chiefs quarterback. The problem is, too, is that, I mean, don't anybody else try to step up and win the game or anything? I mean, Legereus Sneed, Nick Bolton made some plays on defense, and it, I, I am not blaming the defense a lot for this game because I think, you know, 27 points is a pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable points total for a really pretty good offense, clearly. But there were multiple times that multiple players had opportunities to make plays that could change that game. If you had told me that Tyron Matthew didn't clear concussion pro protocol, I would have believed it. He's invisible on the field. When was the last time that Tyron Matthew made any sort of play that felt impactful? Look, I understand he's a safety and he does all the line the players up and all that stuff. You know who also used to do that? Eric Berry. And there was a long time there that that was the credit he was getting on the field whenever he was having all those Achilles issues and he was injured and day to day and all that. And it didn't, it, you know, it, it means something until it doesn't. And my point is just, there was lots of people. Chris Jones had Joe Burrow three or four times couldn't bring him down. 
there, you know, your Tyreek Hill did not have a single catch in the second half. There are multiple players on that team that also had a chance to do something. Here's the thing. Tom Brady's won a lot of Super Bowls. And Tom Brady is the biggest part of all those Super Bowls because he's the quarterback. But every single one of those Super Bowls, there was players in games that had to go step up and win those games. You know, people forget that, you know, one of the last Super Bowls that Tom Brady won, he was awful in the 13-3 game against the Rams. It was his defense stepping up and make plays. Sometimes you got to win a game 21-17. And the Chiefs could have done that. Yes, Patrick was awful. And yes, that is why they lost. Like if we're, if we, you know, we'll do the blame pie here later. And if we're talking about the biggest reason why the Chiefs lost, you have to put it on the offense because that is who they are. That is their calling card. This is an offensive coach with an, uh, you know, a quarterback and the money's on the offense, a retooled offensive line. There was no reason for it to be that way. But I mean, by God, no one else step up and do anything by chance, you know? And th- I mean, that that's just where you start, you know? If you're sitting here in a layman's terms, why did the Chiefs lose? It's because in the second half, the offense just completely went away. You know, because I, like you, was so arrogant to this game that the thought ran through my head. The Chiefs won the toss in overtime. Great. Now we're going to have to defend Mahomes' second Super Bowl, like people saying, calling it the coin toss Super Bowl, because he won two coin tosses in overtime. That Like, that's how arrogant I was to that. And to be clear, I'm still not sure I was totally unjustified. I I am not sure that if the Chiefs don't just run the ball in the second half a little <clears throat> bit better or a little bit more, we're not sitting here talking about that. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And here's the thing. We've talked about this. Running the ball is overall pretty overrated in the NFL for majority of the teams. But this team needs to learn to do it effectively and consistently. In the 2018 AFC Championship, you know, the last time the Chiefs lost on their home field in overtime in the AFC Championship, they, the Patriots came in here and they said, you cannot stop the run and we will just do it to you over and over and over again until you prove you can stop it. And then we'll probably do it a couple more times just to make sure it wasn't an accident. And the Chiefs just aren't capable of doing that. They won't do that. Andy wants to pass the ball. Patrick wants to pass the ball. I can't tell you how many of those plays were probably RPOs that he pulled out and threw because that's what he wants to do. And they've got to learn to do it. And I mean, look, I'm not calling. Here's the thing. Never mind. I want to put that on hold for a second. We're just talking about the game. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like you're about to call for EB's job. No, I just, here's, here's the thing. Andy. One of the biggest criticisms that you can have of Andy Reid is that he is a comfortable coach. He likes his guys, and he likes to do the things that Andy likes to do. I don't think that Andy – I hate that Eric Bieniemy should be fired mantra because at that point you're just looking for a head. Promote Eric Bieniemy to some other bullshitty job. They have him. Just give him a new title. Give him a pay raise. Maybe that will help him get a job in the future. And get someone in there – who can really challenge Andy Reid in a different way. I mean, if I could have my dream, I would love for them to go outside of the organization and bring in an offensive coordinator who's really good at running the ball and can challenge Andy Reid to do that and say, hey, look, like, we're killing him with the run. Like, let's just keep going. And you know what? This We can't sit here and talk about running the ball after the Bills game and how it went. I mean, this is not, the Chiefs did not lose because they didn't run the ball. The Chiefs lost because the offense didn't perform. But you feel like that would be a huge part of it. And the same goes for Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, you feel like the Spags, you get what you get with the defense and you're not getting anything more. And again, I don't think that Steve Spagnuolo should be fired, but I think that Andy should, you know, make people, change is uncomfortable, but, you know, being uncomfortable creates good change. And I think that, they there needs to be some changes in the coaching staff. I think that they need to go outside some. I think that they need to bring some people in. They're going to challenge their coordinators to do new and different things because they had this in in their grasp and they just let it go because they couldn't hold their water on some stuff. You know, back-to-back plays, Rashad Fitness one-on-one with Daniel Sorensen shadowing 
Jamar Chase. I mean, my God, did anyone think that the poll was going anywhere except to Jamar Chase on a freaking fade in the goal? I mean, I could have told you that. And I don't know football. Like, I don't know X's and O's like most people. It's the most duh thing ever. And oh, we're surprised by it. Here's Rashad Fitton one-on-one again at the goal line. I mean, uh, they, well, to me, there's just got to be some changes. Well, so I kind of agree with you there. But let, let me back to, to nobody stepping up, right? Like, you look at Chris Jones and 11 playoff games, no sack. Okay. Now, we can take that at face value and say Chris Jones is awful. And in this game, I will say, dude, he's a quarterback. You're six foot five, 300 pounds. You have the biggest hands that probably I will have, like if I met him in person, it would be the biggest hands that I would have seen in my lifetime. Okay, so just grab him and take him to the ground. You had him at least two times and you didn't record a sack. Like that's inexcusable. You look at the Bolton, he, he dropped an interception and, you know, we can poo-poo that all we want. We knew that he wasn't going to be a, a cover star coming into the coming out of the draft. We knew, hey, it's basically a hit replacement. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there are players that should have made. I'm not going to disagree with you there, but I don't think those players are on the defensive side of the ball. If, if you hold Joe Burrow to 24 points in regulation, I think that you did a pretty damn good job, especially when the last time you played him. Jamar Chase went for 300 yards. Like to see that type of change, and to and to see Pax was criticized a lot for not making the necessary quick enough. He made the changes he needed to make this game. Granted, there there were some times where Daniel Sorensen was one on one with Jamar Chase, and I don't like that. Probably more than anybody. I mean that 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 is one of the things that you say that's inexcusable. Okay, well he's the guy that likes to take risks and. If you're not going to, if you hate Bob Sutton, if you hated Bob Sutton, because it was basically the simplest defensive scheme where this guy's, oh, you know what? Marcus Peters is always going to line up on the left side. Okay, well, we'll just put our best receiver on the right side. Like, if you like that, if, if you liked Bob Sutton, then you weren't going to like Spags at all. But I think the majority of us hated Sutton. And once we, he was gone, we all kind of, you know, had a sigh of relief. And then we got Spags. Who likes to show different looks? Who likes to put guys in uncomfortable spots because the defense isn't expecting it? And there are going to be some play calls that are suspect. But with all that said, this comes down to an offensive. This team is an offensive team, and you can score twenty-four points and expect to win a football game. If you're playing the Giants or the Eagles or anybody in the NFC least, like. What they did on defense was sufficient enough to win the game. The offenses who didn't pull through. There are a lot of guys that are going to tell you, and you might be one of them, Price. I, I don't exactly know where you stand on this, but but getting rid of Spags. Now, if you had your top two players, the guys who were making money on the defense, or two of the top five players on the defense, one of them's making nearly the most in the entire NFL. And he was nothing more than a stop side, you know, not generating any pass rush, not getting home. He has two pass rush moves. When all your money is located there, then no, you're you're not going to be a top five defense. You might have a couple of weeks where you beat up on some bad teams, but you're you're not going to be a real top five defense. When the middle linebacker you're playing, when you're, the middle linebacker you're paying all this money to, is essentially a worse version of your rookie that you just drafted. Like that, that, that doesn't equate to success. And it it calls leadership into question. There there are a lot of things defensive side of the ball that has just been mismanaged. And I don't think that's Spag's fault. I think that in this off season, and we'll get to more of this later, you're going to see a huge, huge change in the defense. And I, I just have a hard time, you know, placing this, loss all at the feet of Spags. I know you're not doing that, but a lot of people that I have talked to have have essentially said that this is Spags' fault because or Chris Jones' fault because he, you know, didn't get a he didn't have a five sack game. And I think that, you know, once you get some real players in there, 
you might have a better chance at, at winning a game like this. And maybe you hold them to 20. Maybe you hold them to 15, 14. Is that going to change what Mah- what happened in the second half with Mahomes? No. No. And anyway, I, I just like would have liked to have seen this game gone a few different ways other than, than how it ended up going. Well, to go back to what you're saying, you know, do I think that the Chiefs have grounds to fire Steve Spagnuolo? Probably not, considering, you know, that the defense was a big part of why they were winning some games there in the middle of the season. But I do think that it would definitely send some sort of message that, you know, this team is the ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl. I don't, you know, the players come out and talk about that. Was this season a success? They say no, because we didn't win the Super Bowl then you can't keep piddling around with someone whose defenses always start slow, who always struggle with the same stuff, who, you know, consistently have ups and downs that are super dramatic during the season. And the thing that infuriates me the most is that, hey, I got to have my defense and my defense is complicated and we got to give people a couple of years to get in the system. And then they got to earn the respect to be able to call plays. That's why we got to have Anthony Hitchens and, Tyron Matthew out there because they just know the scheme so well. So next year, what's what's the excuse going to be when Tyron Matthew is not here? It's going to be like, oh, well, Matthew just smoothed everything over and we don't have someone to fill that role. We just need someone else. Or even worse, they have to go out and spin on a safety again. And, you know, that's the thing that's frustrating is make the scheme so the players you have achieve better. And that was one of the things that Spags did really well back in this year that they won the Super Bowl is he used the players that he had. Kendall Fuller, he started flexing into safety after one Thornhill went down using what Kendall Fuller did best. And it helped win a Super Bowl. And I, you know, that's well, that that's one of the things that's frustrating. It's just it feels like the scheme is so complicated and the, it, it requires so much and it's it's very archaic and not repro- reproducible. Yeah, and, and that is a good argument to make. But one thing that I go back to is Spags didn't re-sign Daniel Sorensen to a one-year deal. Now, he might have had some input, and you know what? It, it all kind of really comes down I, to I'm not going to let you make that argument, dude. He really? To, yeah, because here's the thing. Brett Beach brings in the guys that these coaches want. And yes, Brett Beach can burn the boats, for lack of a better term, and say, look, you're not going to play him like they do in Moneyball, where he says, you can't play him. I traded him because he kept writing down that same first baseman on the card. But here's the thing. Spag's the guy who keeps finding ways to get them on the field. Brett Veach drafted players. I mean, we're forgetting the whole drama of Juan Thornhill couldn't even find the field in the beginning of the year. Spag's wants Neiman and Swanson on the field. And before we start going, and, you know, this kind of goes back to what are we talking about right now? You know, Eric Bienemy, Spag's, Bienemy, um, you know, Ben Neiman, Dan Swanson. These are the same old whipping boys. Ben, ben Neiman paid played 13% of the defensive snaps. And then uh, Daniel Swanson played 32%. These guys are not the reason why we're talking about a Chiefs loss right now. Now, they're part of the symptoms, but they are not the illness. The illness is, is that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the two most important part of the Chief roster, could not get it done. Now, why are we talking about Spags right now? We're talking about Spags right now because the Chiefs needed something the Chiefs are too Patrick Mahomes dependent. They're too Andy Reid dependent. Those guys are allowed to have a bad day occasionally. Now, Mahomes really cashed in that opportunity on the bad day thing. But he, the first half happened as well, right? Like, you, it's not like it was a full game. The first half, half happened as well where he was fantastic. He gave them a 20, you know, he gave them at one point a 21-point lead. They should be able to hold that. A good defense should be able to do that. A championship-level defense should be able to do that. And But here's the thing is that we didn't build that defense for it to be a top-five defense. If you look at it throughout the, the entire offseason. We knew Frank Clark wasn't going to be good this year. We knew Melvin Ingram would have been a step up from even Frank Clark. We, we didn't get him. Okay, so we thought that Chris Jones, instead of investing in a defensive end or or – Drafting high or trading up, or there, there are a million things we could have done. We put Chris Jones on the outside. Well, okay, you know, we made a con- we made some concessions. You know, he he'll be good on the outside. Well, he wasn't. Okay, and so now you have Frank Clark, who is getting who, who is essentially stealing money from the Chiefs at this point, and 
Chris Jones playing out of position. Now, that, that's if you're investing all of your money in the defensive line and that's how you have it set up, that's a recipe for disaster. And I'll say that the decline from Daniel Sorensen last year to the start of this year was so incredibly bad. Like the, the, the decline was so steep that I think that there's an argument to be made that Spags thought, hey, listen, Juan's coming off an injury. We don't know if he's 100% yet. We're going to play. I'm going to play the guy that we won a Super Bowl with a few years ago because he's smart and I think he can be in the right position. And obviously that was a bad decision. And, and I'm not going to defend him from that standpoint. But I will say that when, when you don't invest anything into the defense or when your investments don't pay out, is it really the coach's fault? Like, there were some questionable decisions. Willie Gay probably should have played some more and some more games. But that that's what we're arguing about. Hey, we, we had a few guys that should have started or played a little bit more. Okay, well, listen, I got some big – coming from Spag's perspective. I'm paying a guy to do nothing and, and play half the games. Chris Jones is the only reliable pass rusher, and we put him out of position. When they finally put him back in position, he did pretty well. But in the postseason, like, what what can you expect? What, what can you seriously expect from a defense that is essentially set up to fail from the very beginning? And people will talk about Armani Watts and how he maybe could have affected the game. We don't know anything about what happens in the locker rooms. We don't know anything about what happens when they go into film study. For all we know, Armani Watts could be, and I'm not claiming this, but he could be the laziest player on the Chiefs. Now, you know, that, that's yet to be seen. We would have no idea. But there are reasons that coaches play players instead of other players. And I think eventually, Spags figured it out. And it might not have been as fast as everybody expected it to, but I, I just have a hard time getting rid of somebody who took us to a Super Bowl, who improved the defense. That first year, the switch was phenomenal. Like, it was night and day. It was 32nd ranked defense to 15. Then the next year, it went from 15 to 17, 18. Okay. You know, guys get older. Brett Clark got hurt. Okay. You know, that, that happens. The final season, this season, they weren't great. I, I just don't know what, what you can expect from the guy. You play put put your guys in better positions to win? I mean we're we're circularizing at this point. The point is is that this was a this was a team loss. We want to put it on Mahomes, we want to put it on the offense, but ultimately there was plenty of opportunities for other people to step up and win this game and it just didn't happen. And, you know, whether a coaching change is necessary, it doesn't matter, it's not gonna happen. Is that how Andy Reid is? And, you know, the Eric Bieniemy thing is a little bit possible because I could see them not wanting to lose Mike Kafka to an offensive coordinator position as these teams start assembling their new staffs, that maybe they do move Bieniemy up to something and then promote Kafka because that's kind of how they like to protect their guys. But, man, I there, there's a lot to – there's a lot of conversation to be had around that. I – the thing that makes this loss particularly painful is, is that I think we forget how fortunate this team really was. We look at this and say, you know, for, here's the thing. If you want to be that person who gets on social media or talks to your friends today and go, hey, you know what? If you had told me that we had drafted Patrick Mahomes, we would go to four straight AFC championships, two Super Bowls, and win one, I would have been pretty happy. Happy. Well, of course you would have. You would have been happy because Mahomes could have been Ryan Leaf. But here's the thing. He's not Ryan Leaf. He's supposed to be Tom Brady or close to it or Peyton Manning. And here's the thing. Right now, his, what, what, is, what are some of the comparisons to how the Chiefs are going right now? It's the Seahawks, the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Go to two, win your first, lose the second. Go to the conference championship, lose that the next year. I mean, it's it's all starting to line up with, you know, you start, and guess what? They're starting to pay Mahomes more next year. I mean, I want to be clear. If Mahomes' career looks like Russell Wilson's, I'm not going to be satisfied. And it will be a waste. Now, I think they will, I don't think that they will be that way because I think Andy Reid's better than Pete Carroll. But it's possible. It's completely possible. I took some time 
to write down all of the breaks that the Chiefs got this year to contribute to them being up 24, or sorry, 21-10, should have been 24, 21-10 at halftime of the AFC Championship with a chance to go to the Super Bowl for their third straight year. Incredibly healthy. They were very healthy this whole year, including pretty much all of their crucial playmakers stayed healthy the whole year. The Raiders were an absolute hellscape this year. Yes, they made the playoffs, but the the trauma and the drama that that team went through definitely benefited the Chiefs. The Chargers choke away yet another year of Justin Herbert's rookie contract whenever they had led the division by somehow doing some of the weirdest Charger shit that they can do. Dak Prescott was injured before the Chiefs played the Cowboys. He hurt his leg. That was his first game back, and Amari Cooper was out with COVID. That helped the Chiefs win that game. Aaron Rodgers misses the game that they faced them with COVID. The Titans hand them the one seed after losing to the Steelers. Now, the Chiefs gave that back, but at one point, the Chiefs had the one seed handed to them. They gave it back. The Broncos waste yet another year of a good roster by sticking with Vic Fangio and Teddy the Bridgewater quarterback. The Ravens, an AFC powerhouse for the last couple of years, have insane injury luck. The Bills struggle in the regular season randomly, lose to the freaking Jags, and should have been the one seed. And somehow they screw around and the Chiefs get a higher seed than the Bills. Baker Mayfield, we forget that that game at the beginning of the season was like an AFC championship preview. The Browns were like one of the heaviest favorites going into the year in the AFC. Baker Mayfield gets hurt. I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but that that was definitely partially injury-related. A top-five quarterback, at least a top-three quarterback in the AFC, Deshaun Watson, has legal trouble, sits out a whole season. The Titans lose in the playoffs, giving KC the home field advantage again in the AFC Championship. They win a coin toss against the Bills. If they lose that coin toss, they lose that game. And then they won the freaking coin toss against the Bengals. And then they still gave it all away. And man, I'm telling you, for the people who tweet the things like, we'll be back, don't worry. No, you don't know that. Next year could be the year that Mahomes tears his ACL week two. Next year could be our Ravens year. Next year could be the year we're talking about Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Travis Kelsey, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, and Chris Jones are all on IR by week five. It's completely possible. You don't know these things. And I'm telling you, it's not going to get any easier. The Chargers have insane cap room. They will get better. Do I think that they kind of charger the way around? Yes. They'll find a way to underachieve, but they are going to get better. They're, you know, Roger, there's, there's, you know, Rodgers can come back to the AFC. The, you know, the Raiders are trying what they're going to try with the Patriots thing. It could be a complete waste or it could, it could really work out, but they're making changes. Joe Burrow is clearly a good quarterback. Lamar Jackson will be healthier. Um, Baker Mayfield will be healthier. Is Aaron Rodgers coming to the AFC? Is Deshaun Watson going to come back? It is not getting easier. If the Chiefs were in the NFC, I would be a lot more chill because, you know, the whole Brady retirement thing, there's not really a lot in the NFC right now. But, man, in the AFC, there's a real chance the Chiefs don't make it out of the wild card next year. Or they are a wild card team and don't win the division. It's completely possible. This My whole mindset going into the Bengals game is, Chiefs got to win this game, and then they have to cash in the Super Bowl. They've got to win this one, man. Because, yes, it could be the Rams, or it could be the 49ers again, but it's going <laughs> to... They're starting to get close to that. It's going to get really hard to get back. And it, and we saw this year all throughout. We all wanted to sit there. And I mean, it's hard not to be energetic, but we all wanted to sit there and throw our head back and say, oh, you know, it was kind of rough in the beginning, but now the Chiefs are back. But well, here's the thing, so, man. Those the, the team that showed up in the second half, that's who they were all along. They were that flawed team. They were that team that struggled a little bit in the first quarter of the Pittsburgh game. And they were that team that went through that huge lull against the Giants and, you know, lost that game to the Bills. They, they are that team, too. All of that is who they are, the highs and the lows. And that's part of what made them a flawed team. And there are just so many question marks going into this year on the roster that, sure, you know, you can, you know, you can put your little screenshot out of who you're keeping, who you want to sign. And, you know, we'll add Allen Robinson and you know, draft this player or whatever, but man, to be that close and to waste all those breaks for us 
and sit there and just be okay with it, you're you're really losing scope of how hard it is to get there. So I'll ask you a question. What's the diagnosis? Why did why were we that flawed team? You, you talked a little bit about Andy Reid. You talked about Eric Bieniemy. You talked about Spags. And you talked about Mahomes. What, what what do you think the biggest reason is that that we gave up everything that was gifted to us this year? Well, let me ask you. It, let it me ask, feels, let me answer your question with another question. What yeah. were the Chiefs truly great at this year? Throwing the football. I. They were they were a top five defense or a top five passing offense, even through their flaws. Top five to me doesn't equate great, good. But I I, there's thirty two teams. I'd say that's great if you're comparing it to the rest of the league. To me, there was no part of the Chiefs that was great. This was by far Mahomes. I mean, okay, let's let's go back a little bit then. Would you say that this is the, the worst passing offense that the Chiefs have had, though? As far as options go, I would say yes. And I would say that because there was really no third option that was worth anything. Hardman was hit or miss. Pringle was a pretty good red zone target. And they kind of equated. They both combined really went into that Sammy Watkins role, but there wasn't any real threat of a third wide receiver option or a second wide receiver option that was going to be reliably open. So, yes, but not by much. I mean, I to me, the, the thing that, you know, the diagnosis of what is the problem with the Chiefs is that there was nothing, there was no unit strong enough to overcome a bad performance on the other side. The offense was not so dominant that it didn't matter what the defense did. And the defense wasn't quite good enough that it was offense. And there was no unit that specifically was so dominant that no matchup mattered. You know, like part of part of the reason why the Bucks won the Super Bowl last year is because they had a wide receiver core that was so good that it didn't matter how good of a cornerback group they faced. They could they could go out and win because guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson were the fifth and sixth options against Gronk, and Cameron Bray and et cetera, et cetera. And all those guys in that offense. Part of the reason why the Bucs won the Super Bowl is because their pass rush was so good that they just could take over a game against a bad offensive line. The Chiefs never had that on the field. Their offensive line was pretty good. And, you know, that's one that's kind of hard because offensive line play is kind of dependent on co-dependent on the quarterback as well. But there was no part of that team that was strong enough to overcome a good matchup. Wide receivers weren't strong enough. You know, I'll, we'll just call it the receivers because I don't really think the second and third tight ends were making a huge difference there. The The coverage unit wasn't there. The pass rush wasn't there. I mean, to me, the problem is, is that they were just a team that was good in a lot of places, not great in enough places, and then didn't take advantage of situational football. And that was evident in how they closed out both halves of the game. And it you know, that, that killed them as well. I mean, if you, you can't be a team that has big highs and lows and struggle in certain situational football, because if you can't execute, that's one thing, but to not execute and not be smart is why you're sitting at home. Well, so I'll go back to them. Why weren't we very dominant in, in those places? And I think that goes to a misallocation of resources and spending money in places where you didn't need to spend it or the return on investment wasn't there. And I think that when you look at this team and the structure of this team, who are the best three players on the team? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. You could maybe swap out Tyreek for Chris Jones. At this point, I think Tyreek is, is one of the best wide receivers in the league. But we spent so much money in, in places that didn't pan out. Now, the best part about that is, and why I think we will be back this next year, is that almost all of those are coming off the books. You say Tyron Matthew disappeared, contract, we don't have to give him an extension. Frank Clark was a no-show for two years. Guess what? Cut, cut ties, it's a $6 million dead cap hit. That's nothing. Okay, Anthony Hitchens, middle linebacker. We, not only 
did he not produce? We found one that was better than him in the draft. He's going to be on his rookie contract. Cut ties. Okay, now, now you're looking at a team with a lot of possibilities going into this offseason. Not outside the realm of possibility. A Tyreek Hill extension and restructure to get more cap space. <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes restructure. I think that when you look at this team and what it could be by the time they suit up for their first game next year or later this year, we could see a Chiefs team that can be extremely dominant on one side or the other. Whether you get Allen Robinson or you trade for Khalil Mack or you get Von Miller or you sign OBJ. Like there, there are a million different things that we could do. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. We have no idea how healthy these guys are going to be. And we did kind of squander that. But when, when you're putting a team together and you want them to be in a position to win, you have to hit on your investments. When you push your money in the middle of the table, you've got to take the pot. You, you've got to take it. And I trust that Brett Veach to do that in this offseason. And I don't think that we need to fire anybody. I don't think that anybody needs to move on. I will also say, and I'll kind of go back to what you were talking about with Andy Reid needs to not have so much power and influence on the offense. Maybe somebody should be there to to check him. You're not going to find anybody to do that. Andy Reid's one of the greatest coaches of all time. If I would almost bet that if EB went up to him and said, hey, I think we should run on this play, I think he would say, okay, you want to? Because you were a running back in the NFL. I'm one of the greatest head coaches of all time. So we're going to throw the ball because that's how I became one of the greatest head coaches of all time. And you're not going to find anybody outside of another legend that will be able to check you. So I just think that going into this offseason, we have a better chance than not to make the playoffs, to be a high seed, and to go deep in the playoffs again next year. I, I just really think that we will still be there if the injury gods don't curse us. I think that will be our one limitation. Well, here, here's the one thing. Um, I want to I want to go through this exercise real quick, but we don't need to do the who we're keeping, who we're cutting. We've got not even freaking baseball. That's the worst part about this, dude. From someone who doesn't give a shit about college basketball, I just want to be clear, I don't. Um, not even having baseball to look forward to it just makes this even worse. But okay, so here are the people that are under contract next year for the Chiefs. Keep in mind, these are people who are under contract. Some of these players will be cut. Top of the list, Frank Clark. This is going in order of cap space. Frank Clark, I almost guarantee you will be cut. Tyree Kill, Anthony Hitchens, almost guaranteed to be cut. Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. Joe Tooney, Harrison Butker, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, McCole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, Willie Gay, Colin Saunders, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton, Nick Allegretti, Lucas Neying, Mike Dana, Tommy Townsend, Tershawn Wharton, Noah Gray, Trey Smith. And here is where the floor falls. So, okay, you hear that? Let's show it. Okay. Okay, we're good. We're good. Joshua Kando, Malik Herring, Prince Tanega Wanago, Shane Buscelli, Zane Anderson, Chris Finke, Matt Sexton, Lorenzo Neal Jr., Brendan Knox, Jordan Franks, Damon Arnett, which he's been cut, Ray, uh, Gary Jennings Jr., Darius Stills, and Omar Bayless are all players that are under contract next year for the Chiefs. You're cutting two of the players that are on that list. Those are names that you know. That leaves the Chiefs like they're, they're Chiefs are replace you know they have about 22 starters it's probably closer to like 26 by the time you kind of factor in like oh this guy plays a dime this guy is kind of a starter but kind of not the Chiefs are easily going to have to replace half of their starting lineup now you can say okay good they lost they need to replace those guys but but with who the Chiefs need like three pass rushers dude they need I mean because right now your pass rush next year is Joshua Kando Mike Dana and Chris Jones because Derek Nottie, free agent. Jaron Reed, free agent. So they've got no one really to play next to Chris Jones. They have nothing at edge. And by the way, the biggest needs that the Chiefs have, the one, the spots that they're really needing help, corner, right tackle, 
which I refuse to believe that Lucas Nang is the answer. I mean, at this point, all you've seen is that he can play right tackle. You've seen him in game action, but he's not proven that he can either one, stay healthy or be any better than Andrew Wiley is. Another player who's not under, under contract, by the way, Andrew Wiley. Um, cornerback, pass rusher, wide receiver, right tackle. Those are the spots that Chiefs need the most. Those are like the top four draft needs for almost every team and the highest valued besides quarterback. Now, the Chiefs have the most important spot picked, figured out, but there's a lot of questions there. I do not want to see Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle leading games and targets or being close towards the top. Yes, we are thrilled with what we got out of Byron Pringle this year. That's like saying, man, this 81 Honda Civic got me from point A to point B for 10 years. I'm so happy. But if someone offers you something better, you can get a new car. It's okay. It's okay to be satisfied with what we have and try to get better. Because guess what? Byron Pringle doesn't have to be like jettisoned. He doesn't have to leave. He looks great as the fifth or sixth option. I want to see them attack these positions that they need with numbers. I would like to see them attack all those positions in the draft and in free agency. And what I mean by that is double down on them. One of the most unrated things that the Bengals did this year is that they went and got a bunch of just kind of meh corners in free agency. Now they have way more cash space than the Chiefs did going back to the, you know, rookie quarterback thing. Um, but they, you know, Eli Apple, guys like that, they just kind of threw numbers at it and then started playing the guys who played the best. The Chiefs need to do that. They need to do that at wide receiver. They need to go... And, you know, I'm going to take my victory lap around the third option for one last time. You know, if Odell Beckham Jr. is on this game in this team, you know, does he make one play in the second half that gets the Chiefs offense back in gear? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's proposing to the field goal net on the sideline on the Chiefs. Who knows? But it looks pretty good in uh, the Super Bowl this year. But. You know, go get, go sign two good wide receivers. Go sign Christian Kirk and, you know, um, oh, what's his name? He used to be for the uh, Texans and he went to the Dolphins. He's always hurt. Or, yeah. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Uh, That's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that deep threat guy. But um, it'll come to me in a second. Willie Sneed? It'll come. No, he's he's Ravens. No, I got you. Yeah, but. um, Kenny Stills. But they just double down on these needs that they have rather than just hedging their bets with one or two guys, you know, and look, I know that the cap is going to be tight and that's not even including, they need safety as well. They need like two safeties. That's, that's part of the problem too, is that we base our needs off of what they have. Let's get it. So we don't have, um, we don't have freaking Ben Neiman and Dan Swanson on the field as much. Let's get it. So we, we need two safeties if, you know, if Matthew's not being brought back. So I, to say that, I feel comfortable that they're going to be back. I don't because here's the thing too. Every season in itself is, is an entity. The chiefs have to be, come back up from the bottom here, man. They have to come up from where they are right now to another season. You don't think that the bills are just as motivated as they were last year after losing that game. The chiefs choked. The bills lost on a coin toss. The chiefs choked. The bills are going to be motivated again. And yes, I know we said that last year. And guess what? They still lost on a coin toss, man. I just, I don't know. I I just, to me, it, it just really sucks to see them lose this game in this way. Well, and Will I Fuller, agree with you. Will Fuller's oh, the player I was thinking of. Yes, okay. I always get him and Willie Sneed mixed up because they they're both deep breaths. And they, well, and they both are always injured. And they were, so, both, they were both on the Texans as well. There you go. See, I'm not an idiot. Um, I completely agree with you. And just to kind of wrap this up and, and maybe play devil's advocate a little bit here, I want to ask you about three players in particular because, I mean, we can go through that entire list and, you know, see which ones we need to extend. I feel like a lot of people are already doing that. There are really kind of three key players that I look at in this offseason and who we might want to retain and who we probably shouldn't retain. I'll start out with an easy one. Tyreek Hill. Extend or or let him walk? I mean, Tyreek Hill is one of one, what he does in the NFL. You you cannot let a wide receiver like that walk. I there's zero way. You gotta yep. find a way to keep Tyreek Hill. A hundred percent agree. Orlando Brown Jr. 
left tackle. Again, the Orlando Brown Jr., I mean, if you are planning on walking away from him, your needs become even more dire because you're back where you were last year at needing two tackles. Do I love the idea of locking him up to a long-term deal? No, but he's better than anything else out there at left tackle. So to me, you have to. Yep, I, I 100% agree. And if you don't, you just lost two draft picks. So it, at that point, it's basically a have to. This is the one I, I feel like I know your answer, but I'm going to go over it anyway. Tyron Matthew. Do you extend Tyron Matthew or go for somebody in free agency? Well, I mean, just even like just set aside all the all the off the field and on the field. Math, the numbers just aren't in Matthew's favor. You know, he's getting older. He um, plays a position that requires athleticism. He is an undersized safety that is starting to play more and more in the box. Some of the things that made him so great, like before, one of the things that made Matthew so great is that he could just flat out play corner. And that's that's not really his game anymore. I, You know, it's it's just not trending well for Matthew. And that's not his fault. You know, it's just how the aging curve go. It's not the type of player that you, generally speaking, giving corners and safeties third contracts don't end well. Um, third long-term contracts, by the way. Uh, so, no. And I mean, I'll just go off and say that I, here's the thing. We can sit here and say, oh man, you know, Matthew just means so much as leadership, all that stuff. He is a me first guy and I, I will not listen to anything else. He gets off the field and is on that phone tweeting about himself faster than anyone else and last night he's in the press conference acting like you know he's about to cry because he's so sad and then he's the next day he's you know that night he's in the comments yelling at fans and today he's tweeting out cryptic stuff is always talking about like you know like he just made a tweet a couple hours ago that was basically summarizing his stats with the chiefs you know saying like it's over like this i'm sorry i don't think he's a bad guy you know he won walter payton man of the year i think he's a great person but I think he's about him and I think he's about his story. And I think that he's, I, I think he's played well over half this season protecting himself for the next contract. And I think he's mad that he didn't get a contract. And I think he's mad that the chiefs didn't value him like he valued himself. And I'm okay with him walking. Cause I think between those two factors, the, the, the real contract stuff, and then the factor of how he plays is enough to say, this isn't worth a third contract. Well, it, uh, here's where I was talking about playing devil's advocate. I think that his play, I, I think that if I was in his shoes, as far as playing to save yourself for another contract, I think I probably would have done that as well, because this is Tyron's last chance to get a brick truck full of money. And I'm not going to kill a guy for, for protecting himself when the organization really didn't extend uh you know the type of money that he he was asking for. Now if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I will say I, I do agree with you as far as the the tweets and the leadership and, and maybe even a little bit the me too or me first uh sort of identity. But outside of JC Jackson, there's really nobody else that we can really bring in to, to kind of supplement his role. Like the thing about the chiefs in their, their off season situation is that so many of their guys that they need to extend have all the leverage. Orlando Brown has all of the leverage. You traded to get me. I'm a pro bowler. You're not going to lose out on all that and let me walk. Okay. Then it, it's Tyron Matthew. Hey, guess what? I'm basically the entire back end of the defense outside of Snead and, and a little bit Juan Thornhill. I'm the only guy you have back there that can be multiple and play multiple positions. Okay, well, now you have 100% of leverage unless you're going to bring somebody else in. Is there anybody outside of J.C. Jackson and free agency you can do, do that with? No. Devin McCourtney? Maybe. Stephon Gilmore? Maybe. But he's getting old, too. So the Chiefs have really put themselves in, in an awkward position here going into the offseason and bringing back free agents. Um, but as far as Tyron Matthew goes, I just don't know if you can if you can bring him back at this point. If he asks for anything over 16 mil a year, I think you have to say no. And you know what? It was great while it lasted. 
I'll remember him for the good times, like calling the fan base toxic and shitting on, you know, fans with Anthony Hitchens. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta you gotta leave the farm and go to the big city. And I think that's probably what he's gonna end up doing this year. Yeah, I think I think another team that's hungry will value him. If, you know, I could see him going to a team that kind of feels like they're a piece or two away and looks at his leadership and and values it. And I, you know, it was a of the deals that they made that year, that was by far the best deal that they made. The Frank Clark contract was a disaster, but the Tyron Matthew deal was a great one. Uh, at the price that they got him and what he added, it was a great deal, and he was instrumental in the Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, I think it's time to time to walk away. And you know, I think I think this has been pretty cathartic. I feel that while we did not solve all the Chiefs' problems, I think we're we're on the way. I, I have one last question for you as regards to the Chiefs. And this one I just want you to keep simple. Just, you know, two sentences, no more. Do you consider this this season a success? Yes. As a Chiefs fan who has been a Chiefs fan since before Trent Green was the quarterback, this was a successful season. If... I'll I'll give my answer. The answer is no from me because I think the given the opportunities that they had, they did not take good advantage of them. It was in front of them and they didn't take what was in front of them. Now, I'll say in the grand scheme of things, looking back in it, probably a success, but given the opportunities that they had, no. I don't I don't think that they achieved what they could have. It's it's the it's the kid who's in beyond basics and is uh you know a gifted student coming home with an 80 on the report card and you know is it is it bad no but is it what we could have achieved and what you're capable of no i 100 percent agree with you there but just coming at it from you know i i've had a lot of influential older gentlemen that have been a part of my life like both my grandparents and my father um and this season I, i had a conversation with them on sunday about this and I was mad like everybody else was and they came to me and they said do you remember when Trevor Simeon was the the quarterback for the Chiefs and I said yeah kind of I mean I was I was pretty young he's like yeah yeah you do you, do you remember um when our only wide receiver was Dwayne Bow and we didn't have a pass I don't think Trevor Simeon was I think Trevor you're meaning, Simeon oh go ahead who, I think you're I meaning thinking? uh some of the yeah, Tyler Palco, some of the former <laughs> Chiefs legends. Or no, it was uh, Thiamond. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, it, it was an older quarterback before Trent Green. And, you know, there are times in Chiefs history where we've been Chiefs fans, and it has just been the worst. Like, if you would ask anybody outside of Kansas City where they would put the Kansas City Chiefs, they'd say, like, oh, like the old Bills. Like the Cleveland Browns, like the Jets, like the Giants before Eli, like, and, you know, with with all that information, putting this all in perspective, I think that you look at this season, you go, we got the best quarterback in the league, and he had a shit half. We have one of the best coaches of all time, and you know what? He didn't do as good of a job as he could have. And you take that and you go, you know what? I'm good. The, the the Chiefs are an incredible football team. We we as if you are a Chiefs fan or a Kansas City sports fan right now, if you're anywhere between fifteen and thirty five, this is the golden age of Kansas City sports. The Royals want the Royals were really good for like four years. The soccer team I can't remember the name. Um, they won. Yes, yeah, in KC. They they won a championship. The Kansas City Chiefs have been in the AFC playoffs four years in a row. And they've hosted every single one. This, to me, we didn't go as far as we could have gone. Still, I I would have killed for a day like yesterday, 10, 15 years ago. And I think we're going to look back on this, this era of football fondly. I think that the poor AFC, you look at all the greatest stretches of football that's ever been played. This is up there with one of them. And we're going to go into this offseason. We're all going to be pissed off. It's going to suck, but it's still better than what was. I think one thing that's really true is right now the Chiefs are at a crossroads. There's time, it's time to 
turn the page to a different group of players. Um, you know, we talked about some really familiar faces that are leaving in free agency. Um, th- how the Chiefs win is going to have to change. The names will change. And I mean, this is this is just long term. They're kind of leaving the first phase of the Mahomes Mahomes's career, you know, and his career is going to be hopefully 15, 16 years long. He's in year four as a starter. Um, so, but this is definitely a crossroads here. And, you know, depending, the Chiefs can go a lot of different ways with this. And they can try to kind of band-aid it together and ride with a lot of, you know, right on the ragged edge again with the cap and free agency and trades and draft picks and try to retool it. Or they could take their medicine a little bit and, maybe take a step, a slight step back this year and then come back really strong later. I, I, there's a lot of different ways that they can go. It'll, this will really be one of the most interesting off seasons that they've had because there, there's a lot to be done. And um, I, th- I think, I think this is going to be, you know, we've, we've talked about Brett Beach and his legacy and, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a big year for him and his staff. They've got a lot of work to do and hopefully they're, you know, they should be well into that preparation. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Brett Beach. I mean, like as much as sh- as much shit as we give that guy, like th- this whole next era of Mahomes' career is going to be based off of how well he does, and he's done pretty good so far. So you know, th- it's okay to be hopeful. For sure. Well, I think uh, I think that's pretty much all I want to get out about this game at this point about this season. Um, you know, I, I don't really have it in me to talk Rams 49ers or Rams Bengals. Um, I guess we will just kind of move on with it. But do we you want will... to at least predict who's going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, we could we could at least give a name. Like, I'll just say yeah. the Rams are going to win. The Rams. I don't think it's going to be close. I think the Rams are going to win. Well, I I think that the most underrated unit in all the playoffs was the Bengals defense. I mean, I was super impressed by how well that they. They completely changed how they played in the game. Like they just they just went from playing like one defense to a whole different defense. And I, I think that they could give Jared Goff some fits. Uh, I don't remember if Cam Akers came back in the NFC Championship. Jared Goff. Oh, sorry, Matt, Matt Stafford. Yeah, Matt Stafford. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes you wonder. Um, but you know, I here's the thing. I don't know if Cam Akers and Tyler Higby. Are going to both be back? You know, I know Higby's got an MCL injury, and they think he might be able to come back. And I'm not sure about um, not sure about Cam Akers. I know I saw he left that game injured as well. That that could be big. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to go against the Rams, man. The Rams just the here's the thing, and, and this is a little bit true of the Chiefs as well. If the Rams have their playmakers going at each level, they're almost impossible to beat. Because they have a star at almost every level of the field that just can step up and make plays. And, you know, it, it's really just going to come down to if those guys can execute or not, because they're definitely the better team. You know, that the, the matchup that's going to be talked about the most is going to be the Rams pass rush against the Bengals offense. But I really think the underrated part of this is going to be how the Bengals defense covers those wide receivers of the uh, the Bengals defense. Yeah, the Bengals defense and how they cover Christian or Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. Because I think that might be the, the, the difference in the game. It's just how much they can slow down Matt Stafford and muck that game up. Because we've seen Joe Burrow win a game when he's been sacked nine times. That's true. So I, I just think that... that- with that being oh, said, ahead. I never actually Sorry. gave a prediction. With that being said, I do think I do think that the Rams win, but I think I think it's close. I do not think it's a blowout by any means. Okay, well, that that's an interesting point you brought up about the Bengals defense. I had not paid a whole lot of attention to them uh, outside of the the front line, but yeah, dude, very good. Rams, awesome. Rams are going to win. Yep, we'll probably take next week off. Come back after the Super Bowl. I don't think that with. Uh, with how slow, you know, with baseball, the NBA kind of trickling along here. Definitely think that we're going to switch to maybe every other week. Um, definitely, you know, pick up more around free agency in the draft with the Chiefs and everything and switch to that type of coverage. But we'll probably slow down here a little bit, but that's all good. Um, it's been it's been a great season. We've had a lot of fun. This is our first full season as a podcast. Um, we appreciate those of you that listen and interact and 
you know, if you like the podcast, don't be afraid to share the word. And we're always looking for people to come on. So if you're interested, hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. And keep an eye out for the Arrowhead Live Draft Guide. I'm kind of front running that. So just keep a lookout for it, man. The draft is going to be so much fun. Can't wait to dive into all these prospects and, you know, all that jazz. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Price A. Carter. Follow Christian at CBreezy underscore edits. And uh, have a great offseason, and we'll be talking to you later. Thanks for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. See you guys. Go Chiefs.